Hello and welcome to the MBA Talk podcast. I'm your host, Andres, and I work for Opness, an institute that fosters social and economic development through the promotion of the best management methodologies. In this episode, we are joined by Johannes Burgard. Johannes is from the ESADE Barcelona 2017 class, and he is the founder of Solitic a company in the intersection of solar energy and analytics. Solitic is currently based in Berlin. Keep listening to learn how Johannes resurrected the Ezade Entrepreneurship Club, how his MBA facilitated his networking efforts, and how he ended into the energy industry. Johan? Yeah? I'm very glad that you accepted the invitation. Okay. First of all, just a nice, a nice break. I'd like to ask if you have any favorite podcast or YouTube channel or even a book about entrepreneurship that you like to share. Um, actually, I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry for that, but I actually don't have... Uh, there are so many books um, that try to describe the challenges of, of, of startup. Well, maybe to give you a little bit of context there, it's... I started in a, in a corporate career and with the MBA, I fully um, went for, for startup. So I dived into everything related to, to, to startup and entrepreneurship during my MBA. My sister actually founded a company before um, or earlier and I was, uh, I was already taking part there. Um, she, she found another company while I was in the MBA. So um, I, I was participating there as well. So I always had a, had a touch. Uh, or connection to entrepreneurship, actually, because also during my studies, friends friends were already um, tapping into this environment. So what, what I believe to know today is um, every kind of horizontal source of information is interesting to, to a fair extent, but like every single time, it's completely unique. So I, 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 haven't, I haven't actually um, listened to any broadcast so far where I thought, damn, this is good. I need to listen to the next one. Okay. And with, with books uh, so far, I mean, there are those classics. Um, yeah, ma many, many which, which, are like, which are relevant, um, like how to manage humans or from zero to one, things like this. Um, they, they all are adding value, but, I, but it's, it's, it's only, I think, always just a single perspective and a single point of information in that sense so it's it's not there's not the holy grail okay okay but uh, let me understand before the mba uh, you already have some kind of contact with the entrepreneurship mm -hmm. okay and this was in uh, your sister company yeah this was partially from my sister like the taking part in the, in the early days when she founded a company bootstrapped about four years earlier, she already started something, and I, I was participating there in a, in a to to small extent um, as bearing partner. So, but but being basically close to it, and then friends of mine founded companies in the past, which I experienced uh, where where I was in, in touch with. So I, I wasn't ever part of it, but I started started little things myself, and, and now starting a company. I actually see more parallels and similarities between what I did in the past or the, the working style I had during in my corporate times to start up than, than I expected in, uh, up front. So uh, before uh, your MBA, you were uh, from your LinkedIn. I, I see that you were uh, an engineer, right? Yes. 
working in a company and then you decided to go to MBA. What made you decide to go for an MBA at that point? Um, I actually decided to do an MBA before I started working. Um, when I finished my engineering studies, I was doing, um, well, I, I, was, I was working in research for three years and then I decided to do my diploma thesis actually in the industry simply to not dive into science entirely and doing a PhD, which would have, uh, well, asked for another five years in, in the institute in my case. So I, I decided to actually go into the, like, go for industry, write my thesis, um, hands on. And that was basically the kicker for me to say, okay, I will not do a PhD in engineering. I will uh, work a few years and then do, do an MBA to leave this super, like, technical environment and, and rather go for, for a more generalistic, um, job. Okay. So you already felt that uh, you preferred a more management career than a technical yes. career. Yes. Point. So you went to the MBA, but uh, you were working for a company, right? Yeah. Did you feel at that point uh, you already wanted to leave the company for for entrepreneurship? Um, so it was. Uh, I was pretty sure that I will not come back. Um, there was a, a small chance of going back, so that's why I, I didn't. I didn't quit um, per se. But I, uh, I, so that's when you, when you look into LinkedIn, you see that I was actually employed until end of March, 2017 at that company. I, I was on a, on an, a sabbatical in that sense. Um, so unpaid leave, uh, for the MBA just to stay in touch. But the idea was like, if I would have gone back, I would have wanted to be in, in corporate development or even, um, like, like open, open a new office in a new, new country for the company. So that was the bigger picture. And this, this wasn't possible. So basically, if you would start a subsidy for, for a company in a different country, that's nothing else than, than entrepreneurship. So it was quite, that's what I meant with, uh, it was actually already much closer than, than I anticipated upfront. So, um, during the MBA, it was like two weeks in the MBA. I decided to focus entirely on entrepreneurship, meaning starting something new after the MBA or joining something very young. Well, what made you decide this, not going back to the company? Um, because I, I understood that the environment I was working in during my time at class was already super entrepreneurial. I had a boss two levels above me who, um, so not my direct manager, but actually his superior, who was giving us a lot of freedom and the chance to, to really be entrepreneurial within the company. And that was actually what was so exciting for me. So I, I wasn't an engineer developing products. I was, I was running projects in the, the production environment, in an international environment, uh, running or, or designing supply chain and shop floor processes. And the most of it was in automation. So, um, applying robotics for to that date manual, um, process steps and, and working in this machine human interface and software hardware interface. And this, like, like everything that I loved about this job was actually, um, the entrepreneurial part about it. So, so even, even though I, I really enjoyed my, my four years at class, I knew that if I, like, when, once I come back, I will not find the same environment again. I will not find the same working environment, the same atmosphere, the same freedom. It would have been with a different, in a different department with less freedom and less, um, less entrepreneurial spirit around myself. 
So I thought, okay, so this is not going to to do the trick for me. And uh, yeah, then so basically, I I was just taking every class that that is connected to entrepreneurship. I I joined the entrepreneur environment. I was leading the entrepreneurship club. Uh, basically, went full throttle on whatever Isada is offering in this context. So it just confirmed everything, um, like step by step, that that I, that I really want to go for entrepreneurship and I really want to to be in this dynamic environment. And how was your experience being the president of the entrepreneurship club? Why why you decided to be uh, the president instead of just a club member? So uh, the the club the year before was not that active. So I got I got the feedback from from professors. I was checking out the professors how they perceive that club and what the strengths and weaknesses are. And they told me that this uh, wasn't too active and they didn't have too much interaction and. I realized very fast that like, I, I knew that Isada is super strong in entrepreneurship. And while I was checking out the environment, I saw that there's a lot of strength within the, the school and the school's environment, but it's not really interconnected. And I found that as an absolute weak spot. So I thought about how can I get the most out of it? Probably when I take an active role and the most active role is when you are president. So taking leadership responsibility so you can, um, you can take an active influence in how this year is going to be and and what activities are going to to be executed at the end of the day so yeah how i mean you if you do an mba you you spend a lot of money on that experience and when the more active you are the more within you are the more you can learn and the more you can experience yeah yeah that's that's great advice for people getting into an mba and uh, what kind of, uh, I, I suppose you organized some kind of events while, while uh, during your, your tenure? Yeah, um, of course, you, then once you are president, you start having, uh, you start drafting your, your board and like giving different roles out. So we had, um, we also like a lot of events for sure, but we also took a, a huge part in designing, redesigning and, re- and reinventing basically the leading futures. Back, back then was the Innovation Summit organized by the design and innovation club um, which was just one club with limited resources and we thought okay so every club wants to do something so let's do something as um as ambassa mba students association in in this case uh, i was actually not just uh president of the entrepreneurship club i was also part of the students government so one of those nine representatives and i was class representative or one of the three sections so this put me in this position to um, try to mitigate between all the different stakeholders of the student body to really form something new. So this was most certainly the biggest thing we did, um, we where we took an active part in, but also um, study tours. So we went to London. We built up the bridge to a guy from Tel Aviv that was actually then done the year after, um, connecting to uh, eWorks uh, with Davido Rovera. So basically, like also to the to the master students and just having having a more active role as part of the entire ecosystem. Cool. And then multiple smaller events, of course. You mentioned before that uh, in the meanwhile, your your sister was starting her company. Were you uh, helping her in some way while while doing uh, your MBA? Yeah, I was. Well, so she founded her company in 2015. Can you mention your sister's name and the company? The company is More Than Carrots in London. So More Than Carrots, C-O-U-K, and her, Annette, uh, her, her name is Annette. Same last name. And uh, what they do? 
It's about meat reducing diets. So if you are a consumer, well, like everybody as a consumer, and you want to reduce your carbon footprint, the biggest leverage that you can take is actually reducing your meat consumption. And in London, you have such a variety of great cuisine, which is even vegetarian or, or vegan. You basically just need to know where to find the, the stuff that you love, um, that you like to eat. And this is, this is, this bridge, this knowledge gap between consumer who wants to reduce their, their meat consumption and the cuisine, which is already there. Um, just to bridge this knowledge gap, uh, is what the, what the company is mostly about. So when you go on more than carrots, your UK or you download, um, they have also now an Android app, um, iPhone app that you can, you can basically def- decide the cuisine that you're interested in and you find the, the best restaurants. So you go to, you, it's not like you, you look for, for a restaurant, but you, you look for a dish and then the, the best in the town you, you find over this. Okay. And, and you were supporting her during uh, your MBA. Yeah. Well, I was, um, so I was part of the entire journey, um, simply because, uh, when it comes to how can you, like, how do you organize certain processes? She, she doesn't have, a well, her background is banking, so she knows the financial part. But, uh, when it comes to organizing a team and, uh, doing like, like processes and, and operations, um, that's actually my home turf. So I just supporting her on a, on a high level there, um, being sparing partner when it comes to, um, designing or thinking about what kind of business models you could do. And then I went during the MBA in 2017 in spring, like January to March, I was actually on exchange at Imperial College in London. And then I was working um, with her. Cool. How your company, which is uh, Solitic, Solitic is how you pronounce it? Solitic. Yeah. Solitic. How Solitic comes into your life? I mean, were you, uh, your company is about analytics and solar energy, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to tell me better about what your company do. So when you um, look into photovoltaics, so solar energy, you see that there are basically three different um, segments, market segments. You have the utility scale, so the very large scale um, solar assets of multiple megawatts. Then you have the very small assets on the, in the residential market, so house owners basically. And then there's a growing segment in the middle commercial and industrial. So those are the, the big rooftops, um, smaller uh, ground-mounted assets and industrialized applications. And uh, these three segments are quite different in their character. So while residential, it's kind of like a, like a lifestyle product. They usually have um, some kind of freeware uh, for, to monitor the systems, basically just checking out whether they, they run more or less properly. In the utility, in the upper segment, you have very professional, very sophisticated software tools. And this, this middle segment is completely underdeveloped so far, simply because it kind of grew in the last years. So it's quite young. When you install a, a solar panel, you always need some kind of software to monitor. Is that right? You don't need it, um, but it makes a lot of sense because otherwise you don't know what's going on. When you bake a cake and you don't know what temperature is in the, in the oven, you might overheat it, you might underheat it, you, you, you can only check now and then, and it's, it just it does make sense to monitor to a certain extent. Got it. And the, the bigger the asset is, the more it makes sense, obviously, to, to monitor, so you can analyze it and you can optimize it. Got it. And how, how you, you found the, this gap in the market? Well, because we looked into it. So the Solutic was, um, the ideation was actually done by, uh, by a utility company called Vattenfall from Sweden and the company builder Factor 10. 
And they thought about, okay, so um, they Vattenfall wanted to go into solar and into renewables, and Factor 10 is uh, special, specialized in helping corporates to build new digital business models into uh, or develop them so far that you can actually build a company out of or make a company out of it. Um, I was doing, during my MBA, a little research project regarding renewables and uh, photovoltaics was the, the central part of this whole thing where I wanted to build more intelligence around this presumption idea. So um, to, to connect residential owners to one smart decentralized microgrid. And then I, I actually met Factor 10 back then like a year after I did that project in during the MBA, and they they told me about um, about their project with the utility that they are doing this data analytics in photovoltaics. Interesting. So this was an internship during your MBA. No, it wasn't an internship. I um, I just met one of the founders of Factor Ten. Ah, okay, okay. So and we we started talking, and I told them what I want to do after the MBA, and they told me what they are doing right now. And uh, it was a perfect match. So uh, we stayed in touch and actually it, it informed into, well, me starting at Factor 10 as entrepreneur in residence in summer 2017 after my MBA, um, taking over the project with uh, with Vattenfall, the utility company. And then we, well, we, we basically met all milestones that we anticipated. So we founded the company in September and raised the money in, um, in December 2017 to formally uh, not just start a, like a limited um to have a legal entity but also to actually build the company as a uh, a unit interesting and what's the name of the president at that time of factor 10 the ceo is felix steritz how you met him so I, I was applying full throttle in the entire entrepreneurship world basically in in berlin london amsterdam barcelona tel aviv stockholm so i was meeting people i was um yeah looking into into opportunities in this in this field i was looking for building like also looking into into what's going on between um corporates and startups there was a lot of movement back then and uh and factor 10 is, is exactly trying to build a bridge here so bringing together the strength of of corporate um with the strength of startup this is what i really believe in uh, that that there should be more leverage and so my my cv actually ended up in one of those founder circles and Felix looked at it, thought about like, okay, so <laughs> would be worth meeting. So we met and we talked uh, about my plans, his plans, and uh, it was a match. Nice. Was this part of a, a personal campaign or was part of an event? No, neither. It was just um, I, I met one person uh, in Berlin who yeah, I had a good talk with who said, okay, so he, he doesn't have any, any job offer for me. Um, at this time, but he like, but it wasn't in general. Like he he liked me, he liked my profile. He thought there might be someone who could uh, who would like to talk to me. So he shared my CV in in his founders circle and or cycle. And yeah, Felix looked, picked it up, and then it happened. So we you were just open to every opportunities at the time, right? Um, I was looking for two sectors: health tech and energy. And I um, I was focusing on on an IoT case. So IoT case based uh, product that, that should use digital technologies. And, and I wanted to be in an environment that is, that is about to scale. Mm -hmm. Have you considered going back to corporate at any point, like a backup plan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. It's as backup as is. I had um, one, one informal job offer at a very large corporate 
for a senior project manager role that would have like had a roadmap for personal development regarding like like a lead engineer so that would have been a corporate career quite interesting super challenging meeting kind of like all my expectations like all the tick boxes would have been ticked hmm. but uh it would have been in a corporate and i just didn't want to cool so you were very decided yeah okay so uh looking back would you change anything about your experience going to MBA and then looking for, I mean, a, a, an idea for a company? Would you have changed anything about, uh, yeah, your experience uh, at the study? No, not really. So um, I was very happy that I took an active role. It was hell uh, when it comes to work. Uh, like the workload was, was really intense and now I started a company, so it didn't get better. I'm obviously struggling in a, like when you talk about work-life balance, that's quite challenging. So I, I, I just try to fit everything in there and I get not enough sleep constantly. <laughs> so it is demanding for sure, but um, it was a conscious choice. So it's, it's not, not overwhelming me or it, it doesn't, or I didn't come by a surprise. Um, therefore, I actually don't mind. Um, it's still a conscious decision to continue like this. You know, like during the MBA, um, I was, as I, as I mentioned, I was quite active um, in the extracurricular stuff. I mean, you, you look into my LinkedIn profile, so you see that I, I also participated in sports and so forth. So I think this is, this is certainly like one of the most important things I think everybody should consider. Like if you, if you're working so much, you need, you need to do something to balance it out. So for me, it's sports in general. Um, it helped me a lot during the NBA also to be part of the football team, to be um, part of this running group, uh, to really do some some activity on the side um, that keeps you mentally healthy. <laughs> uh, private life, there wasn't any during that time. <laughs> it was school and work um, and sports and that's it. Nice. Do you have any opinion about the people that says that an MBA is useless for an entrepreneur? Absolutely not. Um, it depends on your, I mean, it depends on your Vita. For me, it was the most important building brick um, to, to become an entrepreneur. I, I wouldn't have gotten my opportunity or this opportunity to co-found Solutic without the MBA. So for me, it was the learning platform where I could openly tap into this entire environment, learn everything I wanted to learn, meet the people I wanted to meet. Um, because of the MBA, I, I had intense interaction with experienced entrepreneurs um, for one and a half consecutive years. I did an internship in a startup that just proved me right in, in pursuing an entrepreneurial career after the MBA. Because of the MBA, I was in London meeting great people um, from LBS and other you know, Imperial College, again, entrepreneurial. Because of the MBA, I could work full-time at my sister's company. Because of the MBA, I was in Tel Aviv, in Stockholm, and uh, London for um, entrepreneurship. Because of the MBA, I met Jan Brinkmann, uh, the entrepreneurship professor from the MSCs, the director of the um, Master in Innovation and Entrepreneurship. So the MBA extended my network. The MBA extended my horizon. Um, I experienced so many different things focused on entrepreneurship because of the MBA, which I would have never done without. Without the MBA, I would have not gotten the, the, the opportunity which I have right now. No chance. So I totally disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very nice uh, wrap-up about that. I like it. Okay, so how is Solitic going and uh, what do you aim for this year? Yeah, so we are um, 
right now we are 25 full-time employees now. Um, so we were, we are raising fresh money this summer to fund the next, uh, next growth phase. Um, well, the goal for this year is we are actually in the middle of a merger with another startup. Um, so merging the two products will be challenging. Um, onboarding the first large customers will be, will be fun. Um, raising the money, um, growing the team to probably 35 this year, um, finding a new office. So this is very operational. Yeah. And at the same time, not, 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 not completely ignoring my girlfriend and, uh, <laughs> and our private plans. Um, so these things like, like trying to, trying to get back into a kind of work life balance is actually my personal goal. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, uh, very interesting. What are you are doing on with, with Solitic? What is the company you are merging with? Yeah, that's not disclosed yet. Oh, okay. Okay. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very. Very nice. Yeah. Experience you had. It's been a fun ride so far. Cool. Okay. Thanks, Andres. Thank you very much. Have a good one. See you soon. Bye. Ciao. Thank you for joining for this episode of the MBA Talk podcast a podcast brought to you by Opness Institute. You can find all notes for this episode, as well as subscribe for future episodes at opness.com slash MBA talk. That's O-P-T-N-E-S-S.com slash MBA talk. And if you're enjoying the show or have any comments, topics, or guest suggestions, I love if you shoot me an email. My name is Andres. And you can write me to mbatalk at opness.com. With that, thank you and we'll see you in the next episode.